So pleased to have you with us this morning. Hi, Sabine. Thank you so much for having me today. And maybe I can try with you some of my French. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Bien sûr, Effie. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Alors, tu sais pas que je, moi, j'ai vécu à Strasbourg pour, pour quatre ans et puis à Montréal pour cinq ans. Oh, c'est merveilleux. Cinq ans à Montréal et quatre ans à, Stra à Stra Strasbourg. Oui, parce que je, je suis mariée avec un diplomate, alors on a, on a déménagé deux fois dans des pays francophones. C'est merveilleux, c'est merveilleux. Ça fait 30 ans que je suis en Londres et donc euh, généralement les gens me disent que mon français c'est du franglais maintenant. Franglais. <rire> so it's so great to have you with us. I mean, you know, our... You know, I mean, audience is probably more anglophone. Um, I'm sure there would be a few French watching as well. But such a pleasure to have you with us this morning. And I would love to to start talking about who you are, Effie, because I know you're number one independent influencer. I read a lot of your content on LinkedIn. I follow you on Twitter. So I'd love to introduce yourself to um, the people who are going to watch that um, that webinar. Thank you so much, uh, Sabine, for the, the opportunity. It's kind of, uh, uh, how can I say? It's kind of embarrassing to, to, to present myself, but uh, let me uh, pick on some pieces from my life. Um, um, I'm Greek in origin. I grew up and studied in Greece and then I continued my graduate studies in the US, a PhD in finance, and then a career on Wall Street in New York for about 10 years. Then I moved into the uh, hedge fund industry for a couple of years. Um, as I mentioned before, I got married to a diplomat while in, in the US, and then we, we had a family, we have a family, and we started Uh, traveling the world and I worked in different capacities in different areas. Um, I also worked um, uh, in academia while in Canada teaching at McGill University um, and my last uh, stop or final sort of stop has been in Switzerland. I've been here for seven years and this is where I decided to, to leave corporate life Um, and, and dive into innovation and disruption in financial services, which was clear to me that was the right place uh, to be. And I developed my expertise in fintech by doing really reaching out and covering um, all the innovations that were going on in financial services with some focus, I would say, in capital markets, innovations, and wealth management, because I understood that better. And that brings us to today. I am in Switzerland, as I said before, and um, I do a lot of work um, as an influencer and a thought leader in the industry. And I'm sure we'll have opportunity to, to touch on more specifics as we 
we speak. Absolutely. So one of the questions which come to mind based on what you just said, Effie, is when you look at Geneva, when you look at Switzerland, when you look at uh, Zurich and, and Zug maybe, how is innovation popping up across Switzerland? Do you think there is a, a strength on the fintech, wealth tech? Where is the strength coming from in Switzerland? You know, Switzerland always ranks uh, top, if not the number one overall in innovation, you know, in the usual uh, innovation indices. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, there's a very high expectation for Switzerland and uh, clearly it hasn't met that standard in general in the fintech um, uh, uh, in the fintech front or in the fintech boom, if you want, uh, of the last at least five years. There's definitely other hubs that rank uh, much higher. Having said that, in this subspace of um, what I would call blockchain for finance, mm -hmm. which comes out of Crypto Valley, definitely there, Switzerland is one of the biggest hubs. And again, it's an example of how an ecosystem works, which is you need the regulator, you need the private sector, you need the capital, and, and you need an international outreach for the recipe to work. And that is what has happened really in the crypto, the so-called crypto uh, uh, sector. And it has not happened in FinTech. Uh, having said that, in the FinTech sector, um, I would say that the strength here in Switzerland is more in the RegTech sub-vertical which is related uh, to also, you know, data analytics and so on. So that, that's at a high level where Switzerland stands. Interesting. So the reason why I reach out to you, Effie, is I, I read uh, your recent article and uh, saw some of your content on YouTube as well. Effie has a channel on YouTube where you were talking about sustainability and sustainable investing. And so I wanted to ask you why is sustainability becoming such a major topic today? You know, as of 1st of January, I've seen so many companies reaching out and asking questions about it. So I just wanted to uh, hear your point of view about, about it. You know, it's uh, innovation happens uh, or gets adopted, I think, um, but before what proceeds is there's a shift in the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that shift in the narrative has started, has happened around sustainability. And that's why we're seeing in many, you know, by many metrics in many uh, parts, uh, change around sustainability. Uh, I was looking at some, um, concrete figures around um, flows in ESG funds. And Callastone was reporting that in December 2020, ESG uh, net inflows surpassed 1 billion uh, pounds, a, a record number. That's just one example. There, there's many more such examples you see 
uh, the, the interest. So there's definitely a shift in, in the narrative, but I must say that um, it's really, we are really early in this process uh, of integrating the narrative around sustainability really into our life. Um, we are, we have a big gap even with respect to our consumer behavior. I think uh, that we are more advanced in terms of our um, consumer behavior and our awareness around sustainability when we shop for food, for clothes and so on, we are much more aware and we make choices that are in alignment with sustainability more than in, in investing. Yeah. So interestingly, you know, I work with insurance companies and what I see in insurance is um, question being asked around climate change. So um, how that combination around climate change and sustainability comes about and how we can change people's behavior. A lot of questions around carbon footprint as well. Carbon footprint startups able to accelerate an organization maybe to implement some of those uh, techniques uh, and approaches in internally you know, for employees to actually understand better, but also for consumers. Have you seen similar pattern around that trend around climate change and carbon footprint requests? Definitely. I mean, um, just this past month in one of my content pieces, I was uh, looking to, to see uh, which are the climate fintechs. There was uh, um, a great report uh, out there that I was reading and they were identifying in different areas climate fintechs. Other ones are in banking like aspiration or others are in trading or in analytics and, and so on. So there is a space that is um, sort of um, appearing and shaping up if you want. I can imagine that soon we will have even VC funds that are uh, exclusively focused on, on climate in, in different ways, you know, it can be energy and, and so on. But climate fintech is in itself now already um, a space. Having said that, there's one thing also that worries me, and it's an indicator that we are early. You, you talked about, Sabine, uh, the, the insurance industry being interested in, you know, uh, climate and the carbon footprint and how, I guess, corporates or individuals can reduce their carbon footprint. But at the same time, what we are seeing is a lot of um, businesses or startups offering services to trade yes. credits, right? Absolutely. So, so we need to, to get over that. I mean, of course, at this stage, it's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing. For example, I saw the other day a marketplace that is focused on linking small farmers, like a collective, to large corporations, and the small farmers can give their carbon fruit, uh, foot, footprint <laughs> credit to the large corporations because 
essentially it would go to waste, so to speak, if they didn't have this platform. But we really need to, to you know, change that. Finding the right balance, right? Um, and it feels like when you, you are talking about all those trading platforms coming up, right, to solve that carbon footprint uh, imbalance, it feels like the, um, I guess, commercial, right? We, we think that we can just um, trade it off, right? We, we do it. We're creating waste, but we, we can trade it off, which, which goes into one of the articles you've written around, you know, sustainability is not about the metrics. It's about purpose. I think I read that in one of your articles as well. Yes, yes, yes. It's about purpose. First of all, Sabine, I mean, it, when I talk to others that are really uh, devoted in, in this sector in all sorts of uh, uh, different ways, some of them it's educational, others are um, on the investor side, um, or you know you are in venture building and so on. There is an, a, a definition and, and an agreement and a consensus and a mutual understanding of what we are referring to when we say sustainability. So, so that's another indication that we are early. We are, you know, we've moved and we're ticking boxes and maybe we're getting accounting and maybe we will get it right with data analytics for ESG funds uh, because that remains a very big problem. When I talk to uh, asset managers, that are really focused on ESG investing, they are obliged to um, uh, subscribe, uh, pay to a variety of alternative data providers that so they can make sense of who is really getting the right rating. Because as we said before, a company can be getting um, a high ESG uh, ranking on the climate front, but that might be completely negated because they are doing something negative on another front in terms of, you know, labor practices or, you know, you, you name it, right? And we see that as well. We see that, you know, we we sourced um, uh, last year uh, over 100 um, ventures um, looking at energy, transport, construction, looking at ESG and a variety of criteria. And you're absolutely right. The, the number one things we heard from the company we interviewed is that they are scared of the reputational risk linked to those metrics provided by these ESG companies and so therefore they have to sign up for all of them just to actually manage their own reputational risk which i find fascinating yes yes and and also you know we have to to realize that what the ball has started rolling in the public markets right we have you know um blackrock you know leading and and making these big announcements and 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 actions which is very important but these are the public markets i mean this has to start from the seed from you know when the company is born is it thinking sustainably and what does it mean starting from how you the team 
how you treat your team. I mean, what is a company? It's a group of people with a mission. Yes. Right? So, so how do you think of that? It's a group of company of people with a mission. And is that mission completely sort of segregated from society, from nature, from all that? No, it isn't. But we don't think like that yet. So when you look at those trends, so we are talking about sustainability and investing. And uh, when I look at the, the different pillars, we also see lending being important. So what I've seen, for example, in insurance, uh, one of the insure legal and general, for example, is um, building a sustainable home in various part of the UK. So I guess it's part of lending and using uh, new metrics to build the future. But also we have the pillar called investing, which is just starting, I think. I mean, we started probably with telematics and looking at autonomous driving and electric cars is a way, I guess, to, to trade off um, the fossil fuel we, we create whilst we are driving our cars uh, but this is moving now to to energy you know any renewable energy looking at um, construction green building uh, a variety of areas so three pillars investing lending and in and in and insuring so when you look at this what are the the constraints all the threats we need to, to consider in our marketplace for young ventures fintech as well as big companies incumbent incumbents out there you know, <laughs> when I hear you talking about the three pillars, it's, it's again, we, we still operate in silos and we make decisions that are siloed, right? So our, you know, um, uh, borrowing needs, right, are separate than our um, investing needs. And, and I'm talking as a corporate yeah. Uh, right. So we haven't put the whole picture together. We are at a very early stage. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, again, the risk is that we're struggling to innovate and, and move forward and say, okay, I, as a corporate, I'm going to issue a bond and it's going to be a sustainability bond because for example, I'm borrowing these funds to um, towards renewable energy, whatever, you know, whether it's if we're a service company, it will be, you know, our buildings and everything. If we're a product company to uh, change our manufacturing process and, and so on. But that's only one part of, of what needs to be done. And then, then we stop there. It's as if it's a project, much like digitalization. You, it has to become native. It has to become part of the culture and we are not there yet. And I strongly believe, Sabine, that this has to start from the startups. Yeah. The startup needs to enable that, and I'm just looking at, and you know, we'll 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 put this as um, we produce this uh, this webinar and release it. I'm I'm looking at um, one of your slides around climate fintech, and uh, the, the the type of companies which are are there ready. Um, you shared with me uh, some companies around payment, uh, tri tribit. Uh, 
Ecotable, as an example, risk analytics, banking, investing, lending and trading, actually. Do you want to share a bit more context around those fintechs coming to market, able to help already today? Yes, so, so these climate fintechs, um, as I mentioned before, uh, um, New Energy and Nexus put out a very detailed report uh, on this topic. And I picked some of these fintechs. Um, I know very well the Swiss Carbon Delta uh, fintech, which is around, you know, very sophisticated uh, analytics that help uh, companies um, evaluate their climate risk as a company. What is their uh, exposure? Um, uh, you know, in the, in the lending uh, part, uh, Mosaic is um, a specialty lender um, offering basically uh, loans for uh, solar energy. Um, Aspiration is a very well-known U.S. Uh, bank that is uh, really around sustainability. Triodos Bank, you probably know Sabine uh, because of their presence, the big presence in Europe. And there are also practices around uh, funding ventures that are uh, sustainable. On the investing side, both Yova, who, which is Swiss, and Open Invest, which is American, they are focused on the public sector, on creating, uh, enabling individuals to uh, create portfolios uh, that are uh, have companies and, and know on uh, what ESG or SDG criteria these companies uh, are, are doing well, so really have a metric for your portfolio. Um, and I, I, you know, going, going forward, we're going to be seeing more of these and more of them partnering with, with um, other companies. You know, uh, incumbent banks are partnering with these uh, fintechs so they can integrate it in their lending practices, for example, and, and a lot of them in their corporate um, finance and, and commercial business banking practices. And I also remember uh, a great piece of content you also produce around green tech and inclusion. You know, when you start looking at DNI, which is also a key driver, I think it's one of the ESG. Can you tell us more around uh, what's happening in green tech and inclusion? It's it's a it's a very exciting uh, topic uh, there, and and there we have we're seeing that the trend of um, digital apps, digital banking, or digital finance apps um, taking advantage of lifestyle. Um, sort of appeals, whether they are rewards, giving lifestyle rewards to people um, or gamifying their offerings. A lot of them have taken advantage of the change in the narrative and the fact that people do care, for example, about the environment. And they, we, we are seeing a lot being done around tree planting. Yeah. 
and and the 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 most successful one and at the large scale is ant mm -hmm. from 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 china they actually started a project it's a non-profit project that they piloted because they're a little bit like google they pilot a lot of you know new services you know every two weeks and see what works and you know go through the agile feedback uh, loop absolutely and they, they they piloted ant forest which was about you know uh, every individual uh, having the ability to track their personal uh, footprint whether you know you're taking a bicycle or walking to work, uh, your food, your shopping habits, etc. You know, urban um, lifestyle sort of um, accumulating points uh, for that, and then and the group uh, uses those points and enables you to pick a, a tree that you like and where you would like it to be. Uh, planted and then watch it how it's been planted and and how it grows and they're using this to tackle deforestation which is a major issue in China on their northern uh, borders and and that way they're creating a community they're creating jobs uh, at the, the borders and so on so you see you know how you create something that has a specific um, sort of uh, mission, but it has a lot of economic value. And when I say economic value, I like to distinguish it from their financial value, right? It's, it's that intangible, but economic value that is there. Which is fascinating, right? Because they are enabling the users to be far more aware of their carbon footprints, but then, because of that, they're also um, enabling, uh, you know, the, this management of greenhouse gas emission in a very, very, as you said, economical balance with value way, which is, which is, you know, which is unique, I guess. Yeah. And, and even creating a, a digital connection between the person in, in the urban setting, the person that is on the border and is planting the trees, there's a connection there which is interesting yeah which you know which takes me to when you look at the the fintech green tech climate tech business models you know when we started with fintech insurtech we looked at you know the challenger the the bank challenger the insurance insurtech challengers we talk about payment innovators in my case we talk about underwriting innovators or claim innovators you know focusing on the value chain of the organization then I think now you start looking at um, organizations focusing on some of the UN SDGs drivers like no anger, no poverty. So I guess it's about banking for the underserved or insuring for the underserved. Do you see a change in the business model of the fintech coming uh, to us with all this climate change and sustainability trends? I think still we're struggling with the, the business models clearly. Um, uh, we, we are struggling uh, because uh, it, it's, it's clear that, um, uh, you know, the, the SaaS uh, model 
has made it um, very difficult to, to create a moat uh, and, and very difficult to, to scale. Um, in my opinion, and this is, um, I'm starting to think about this, uh, the, the way we are in, in FinTech and in general, uh, the, the tech sector, the tech fin sector, because really the business model that's, that's successful it has come out of the East. It's really the tech fins like uh, Ant and Tencent and, and those that have reinvented a successful scalable business model. We in the West haven't really um, reinvented that and, and we haven't been able to change the existing business models. Uh, so I, Sabine, honestly going forward, and this is more like a five-year horizon, I think there is definitely a need to change the financial in incentives the way we have them today. Yeah. We need to have hybrid incentives. Um, so there's partly the monetary um, compensation and incentive within a business and within the communities uh, that are engaged with the business, but we need all the other intangible social and so on incentives. And that is where the tokenization can really do wonders um, and, and, and change fundamentally the incentives that we have built in to the way that we, we do um, business. Can you tell us a little bit more about what tokenization is? Yes, surely. So tokenization, I'm, I'll try to explain it while everybody thinks it's, it's cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Tokenization is about being able to digitize something that is valuable, whether it is uh, a tangible or an intangible. And when I say digitize, why does it matter? It matters so you can exchange it, like you exchange payments. So similar to the ease in which you can exchange a payment for a service or which is intangible or for something tangible, you know, food or, or whatever. We want through tokenization to be able to exchange a package that contains something tangible and something intangible. Um, and, and there's many um, examples uh, for this. I think the most obvious one that we can understand is um, when people do volunteer work, um, there's definitely, we, we all value that. Yeah. Um, right? There is um, what I would call a, a collective consciousness, a collective understanding uh, and, 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 uh, that puts a value to it. And yet we have nothing 
that really um, links back, right? The voluntary links back or 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 documents this, right? Okay. Or so we can have um, a, an auditable trail of it, right? We have in our cultures all sorts of other ways of recognizing, for an uh, example, intangible um, um, uh, contributions of people with awards, with this, with that and the other, right? I mean, we, we are in the 21st century. We should have uh, instantaneous, uh, auditable, uh, uh, traceable ways to do this. Okay. And I say that because uh, we as humans uh, value our social interactions. We talk about it all, all, all day, right? And and we haven't found yet a way to really um, be able to trade it and have it tangible. So it's like as if you know, it's not about barter trade. Right, it, it, we, we, but we are in the stone age in this uh, respect. I think it connects as well with some of the trend around circular economy. I'm listening to what you are saying and I'm you know, trying to remember some of the discussion I've had with you know, some of the tech companies, for instance, around the circular economy and you know, use, you recycle, where I guess you know, the model is changing and you, in some, sometimes you are creating some new level of economic uh, a change you didn't think about before. And, you know, your, your volunteering um, example and tokenization potentially could be a, a great mean to control and understand within a circular economical frame how value is created. Actually. Exactly. It also allows us to put a value on um, the, the impact that anything we create today has in the future because obviously you know i mean sustainability or damaging sustainability is about you know doing things today that are beneficial and good but damage us and nature and and the economy and the society in the future yeah right so we have to be able to account for that once we are willing to do it because we can, then we can tokenize that. We can make it tangible. Anything that we can measure, we can make it tangible. So it's our willingness to measure what is important and valuable to us. Incredible. I mean, incredible statement, which, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the word transparency. So it's driving that transparency uh, within our economies and the way we, we do things, I guess, as well. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's very much related uh, to, to transparency. It also uh, brings us to um, uh, make decisions and choices in terms of the direct impact of our actions versus the indirect Indirect can be now, it can be also in the future. So we need to be accountable for all uh, this. So this is exactly where tokenization, if it's used as incentives, right, 
it, then it can work wonders. Today we are we are compensated only, you know, through financial means, um, and mostly by, you know, uh, performing tasks, right? We 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 live we operate the way our economy operates is a, a task transaction oriented economy, right? It's not a people centered economy. It's not a, a, a nature centered economy. For it to happen, we need to have different incentives, tokens. And this is what tokens allows, allow us to do, to combine you know, um, the money, right? And then other aspects that, that we value. And we will have the choice, like we have a choice today um, to work a lot because we want to become, uh, what's the song that uh, my kids were singing from opera? I want to become a, a zillionaire or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, some people might want to do that. That's fine. But others want to have, you know, enough for, uh, you know, comfortable retirement. And then they want to, to do something else. What is that purpose and why aren't they compensated? Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, all the, the items you have discussed, we have discussed around, you know, sustainability, you know, looking at um, our climate and grid tech, now tokenization and uh, that need for transparency connect together um, will, will drive hopefully some level of, of reflection uh, for, for those, uh, you know, watching this, this video. I would like uh, if, he, if you could give us your, your last few words. Spend, we spent a great probably 30, you know, probably 30, 40 minutes together already. And so it's amazing how the time goes. Um, if we were going to be doing something really unique within the sustainability and sustainable investment space, green tech, climate change, what would be the recommendation for those listening to this, to this uh, webinar? Well, let me share, let me share um, a vision that I have uh, that um, we will uh, hopefully soon see a bank for intangible assets where uh, you and I, everybody can safe keep their intangible assets. That's, so that is... That is a dream. We should be, uh, yes. And it's a great way of, of finishing this discussion, being able to know where our intangible assets are, how our behavior are linked to our intangibles as well, and what we could leave behind as well to- um, And how to grow those intangible assets, how to compound interest and grow wealth out of them. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Effie, for a great time with you. Thank you for giving me some of your Great perspective. We are here with Effie, number one independent uh, global fintech influencer. So I'm very grateful to have been able to uh, share some of your views and thinking with our community, InsurTech community. Thank you, Effie.
Thank you so much, uh, Sabine, for having me. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.